This is Triple Play Fantasy Basketball with the Prime Team. I'm Coach James Lewis. On the other end are the Mendelssohn brothers, uh, the face here at Triple Play Fantasy Basketball. We're here to talk uh, NBA post-draft, talk some trades, get into some offseason, which for some people is the most exciting time of the year because once the games start, you realize that there are only four teams that can win the NBA championship. So, um, Dave... How we looking, my guy? Man, I'm happy the Denver Nuggets won. Like to see new teams win NBA championships. Also happy you guys brought me on the basketball pod because I've listened to your guys every single week episode when you talk free agency, you talk waiver wire, you guys are talking, making your takes, and you guys are so wrong with a lot of them. So I'm here <laughs> to help bring in some the right mind, give our audience the basketball knowledge they deserve. Uh, but in all honesty, Love chopping up with you guys. I think we're going to have a great talk. Well, today. I'm glad it, it only took 47 years for the Denver <laughs> Nuggets to win a championship and for us to get uh, Mendelssohn, David, that is on our podcast. David, David's, on the other end. you know what? I mean, it's too early to say how they're going to pan out, but I'm Eamon Thompson and David's Osser Thompson. Are uh, you saying you're the better brother? Because I don't think that's I got I got drafted it. early before you. I'm the... <laughs> I'm the one that's going to make more money. In the, that's why I said it, it, we can only talk about this now because the <laughs> latter could have the better pro career. It only took 90 seconds for you to mispronounce a name. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Look, that's Amen. what you've had every week on the show. It's Amon Thompson. So Amen. get it right before we start our fantasy <laughs> uh, show and um, we're drafting him. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the DeJounte Murray. Yeah, to Junte as uh, formerly God, known as. Doc, you got to say it right. Uh, I do got to mention, though, that speaking of the Thompson brothers um, in particular, they seem inseparable. They seem like they are stuck at the hip. I, mean, I don't think they've ever not played together. Um, this is going to be a transition for the two of them to be in two destinations that are going to be, you know, both rebuilding phases, and they're going to be key pieces to that. Uh, they both seem like very, very intelligent people that come from good stock and background and i think they're going to be great additions to the franchises and hey this might be a super solid top five of an nba draft yo james did you hear this quote from uh that they gave yesterday via cassidy hubbard so I, no i didn't hear from her so they talked about splitting up that they won't play in the same time and Amon thompson said he got to keep the ps5 I'm losing everything. It's like a bad divorce. <laughs> okay, I saw that. Yeah, That's I saw that. Funny. It was also like, man, it was like once, like, I'm in, got drafted. There was this whole big ordeal, and it was like, it was almost like suited that Asar went next because if he would have had to wait, like, it would have been drama city at that table. Oh yeah. All right. For, first things first. Uh, fit of the night. No, uh, there was a lot of flashy. Uh, suits and different attire from the evening. There was a lot of tears. Like those are some of my takeaways from the NBA draft. Uh, what were your main takeaways or or things that you want to point out? Or a shout out. Somebody had the the most solid fit of the evening's festivities. I mean, there's only one answer for the fit, right? Uh, there's one. Come on, it's Grady Dick. That jacket that he had. The all red. That's what everybody's gonna remember about so that draft. I'm trying idiot. to pull it up on my my school computer, but anytime you type in Grady Dick, it blocks it. 
So I can't even yeah. I can't even Google search his name. Yeah, the, um, the shout out to um, Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, Scoot, I mean it will go down in infamy. I thought it was Scoot, Scoot, Scoot wore an Indochino. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, the bedazzled look, like and with the chain. His chain. I was gonna say he he bunned it down like a third of the way. Had the chain rolling. He yeah, he has a swag to him. Taylor so Hendricks he can had a pull nice, that off. Not everybody can pull that off. Taylor Hendricks had a nice pink, uh, pink suit also. But yeah, I mean Grady, Grady Dick in that sequin outfit, that was that was pretty crazy. Have we seen as many second round picks fly like we have in the last year? I feel like it's definitely been a trend over the last few years where teams are just throwing second round picks, like just kind of. Just, like dollar bills is doing that because I'm not even just talking about with like the with the Wizards and Beal where they got six or the Wizards trade up two spot or one, one spot, spot and then trade two, two away and then two second round. But Should like, we talk for, about that? Even Jay Crowder, like Jay Crowder, netted yeah. like three second round picks at the trade deadline and didn't do anything for Milwaukee. Like nobody trades first; it's just seconds. How long are we gonna after the Go Bear thing? And people are scared to. It's like, oh, we'll give you six second round picks, but. I mean, Pick swaps and second round picks are like the the new trading criteria. How long before we start talking about? Since we're all Wizards fans, we talk about the Wizards pick. All right, let's get it. Um, Unless James wow. has it on the rundown later on, because no, nah, I mean, like this is a freestyle show, so you know, I'm wearing the Brad Beal jersey. Maybe one of my last times that I'll be <laughs> able to to wear it. So you know, we might as well talk some Wizards basketball. Um, the pick. It was just completely blindsided me. Um, I didn't value Bilal, Kalulu Ali like that. Like, how, why would we trade two second round picks to move up one spot? I would have loved the pick that we actually made, which was Jairus Walker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, like, I think that we got fleeced by Indiana. Like, they wanted Jairus Walker the whole time, anyways. They could have just drafted him, but they're like, no, we're going to take this guy because we heard that you guys really love him. So, so what I what I read was Utah at nine wanted to hop up at seven and, and the Wiz mm, really wanted him. Okay. Um and so I'm wondering because like Jarris Walker, I think, is a good building block. Like he he's someone that gives you that motor. They were talking about how rare it is for five star recruits to want to play for a tough coach like Kelvin Sampson. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of speaks to his character. I'm wondering if they think his offensive game is capped. And so if they don't want, you know, to spend that high pick on someone that you're just depending on kind of like a hustle and defensive side, I mean, well, all cool. we we're talking about Jairus Walker's offensive being tapped. Yeah. John, like, I mean, he's I one he year out of Houston. Like I, and they didn't even utilize him in offense. Like I don't he think, shot 34% from three last year. Yeah. He's got good form. Plus it's it, it, like, who do the wizards have in the post? You trade away Porzingis. Like the next man up, like your question was Kuzma's probably not coming back. It's yeah, Daniel Gafford. <laughs> like and Denny Advia might be your starting power forward, right? Honestly, now. yes. Corey Kispert's gonna run the four too. I yeah, like Corey. I like the Corey starting Kispert. three right now, fitting. It's crazy. I, I do like what do you guys think of the new backcourt of of uh Jordan Poole uh, and, and Tyus, Tyus Jones. Jones? I like that. I think that we are the worst team in the NBA. Good. Uh, we've been waiting for this for 
decade, I feel yes, like. Yes, thank you. Finally go in. We we only just lost all the value that we had in, potentially in Brad Beal two years ago. Like, mm-hmm. once is, you send ball away, send everything the away. Blood you... is on his hands. Let's not yeah. let him off the hook. Never forget he punched someone in a parking lot at Capitals game years ago. So, a Bilal definitely fits the timeline as far as, like, the rebuild. Um, I'm not as raving about him because I offensively, I think that he just has so much – to build from off of what he has right now. Like he seems like he's athletic. He's a high flyer, but everything else, like creating your own shot, um, just any of the in-between moves, he's got so much room to grow, but he is very, very young. I really liked the idea of adding a Jairus Walker as a centerpiece going forward. He's so young. And then if not Cam Whitner, Whitmore, who fell big time, but we'll talk yeah. about that. Uh, we, we should have traded back up to get him. But I, I think the reason that um, they took him, they said like, he was 5'10", then hit a growth spurt to 6'6", six, six, and a 7'2.5 wingspan. And so I think, like, they view him as more raw and, like, a higher ceiling. I mean, look at – would you guys agree The arguably the best two players in the NBA, no matter how you rank them, are Giannis and Jokic? Uh, yeah, I would say – Right um, now, I've, I think it's definitive that those – And then Embiid's and and got to be three, right? Not – well, with yeah. Kevin Durant, like – but, but I, I, those two, unquestionably, are the top two, whatever rank you put them in. They're MVP, multiple-time MVPs, and they're mul- and they're both finals MVPs within the last five years. So Exactly. Yeah. I so heard um, they're, on that point, I heard – um, I heard um, – oh, my, his name's escaping me now. Uh, but basically, uh, Ryan Rosillo, he said that the, there's only three players in the NBA he would trade for – uh, Victor Wembanyama, like he would trade Victor Wembanyama for those were the two. I believe he said MB was the third. If you guys yeah, had awful. Victor Wembanyama, is there any player in the NBA that you would trade him for, or, or how many players would you trade him for? Jokic, and that's it. I wouldn't even trade him for Giannis because I think, like, with Giannis, I think the injuries are starting to pile up a little bit, and I think as soon as his explosiveness is gone that he's going to be a limited player on, like, Jokic, who can dribble, who can rebound, who can pass. I don't think I'm trading for anybody. I trade for Giannis all day, easily. I'm not right trading now. him for anybody. Oh, okay. But, I mean, the thing about yeah. Wembenyana is the contract. Like, he, he's going to have a great contract compared to the other two. That's why, that's why I wouldn't do it. I mean, those two other two guys are, what, 26 years old, and they are both going to be I mean, I, I would trade Hall of Famers Jokic. and one of the greats I, I would trade time. him for Jokic all day long. Yeah, Jokic, I would do Jokic. Jokic is, I would do Giannis. I would – think hard about Luca. Um, but uh it it's hard. I mean, like that was because those are three proven guys that are gonna be, you know, you know, top twenty five all time. That's the only reason it's like you know you have a guarantee in that, but <laughs> at the same time it would be hard to walk away from um the potential that is Wimbinyama. I was showing the screen on like our like some of the trades that took place since we were on the whole like uh, Wizards talk to start things. Um, mm-hmm. So Bradley, they go, they go Bradley Veal for a two fifty one million dollar contract, which gets the Wizards off the books for that. So them not getting, you know, a bunch of firsts. They got all their seconds. Like the Suns didn't have any first round picks to give. They don't have a single draft pick till two thousand and thirty. Uh, because two thousand thirty one. So. 
you know, they're going to have to fill in the gaps. I think Jordan Goodwin was going to is going to be a good piece I, off the bench. I, I'm kind of mad the Wizards got rid of him, coach. He's 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 creeping in that steals court when he plays. Yeah, and I well, I'm kind of excited for him to actually get a, a team of an opportunity to play for a team that is competitive and he can fit around some of these other really good players. Of course, what Wizards got in return was Chris Paul. Uh, the you know the pick swaps that you know they may be valuable down the road if you know the Suns suck after like four years of it maybe not working. But they flip Chris Paul and they you know they get a decent return. They get Jordan Poole, who you know the jury is still you know out on him. We'll see the, his potential. He's got a large contract and he's going to boost his value up because he's going to get usage rate out the ceiling. He'll probably average mid twenties next year because um, he's going to get all of the opportunities. Um, uh, just taking a short look at some of the other trades and you guys can chime in, whatever the Grizzlies have been trying to get Marcus smart for years now. And I think he's a perfect fit next to a John Morant. And he's, you know, that defensive guy that's going to fill in for Dylan Brooks. Um, but he's just a little bit smarter of a player. No pun intended. What's your feeling on that move? They they needed a vet besides Steven Adams. And it's the Tony Allen, right? The Tony Allen role <laughs> from her Boston Celtic to Memphis <laughs> to bring defensive tenacity. Yeah. Now you got this. It's just like the same type of player. Uh, but yeah, I think like they, especially with the fact that Tyus Jones is gone, they needed another backcourt player uh, to number one, obviously when John Morant's gone, but number two to uh, have in the backcourt with him. And I think with, with uh, Marcus Smart, not only does he bring a nice defensive presence, a good veteran leader, but he also is a player that can shoot. Uh, and you know that in the NBA, you can never have too much shooting. So John Morant's driving to the basket. Marcus Mark can go out in the corner and hit threes. We saw him do that with Boston. Uh, I like the fit. I just kind of am shocked at how much it costs to get him. Maybe you guys are not as shocked. But... It was just a, what, it was a first round pick and then another first round pick that they use somebody else. They have they had him to use. And right now, they're, I mean, they're they're in a short window where like they're one of the best players and uh, teams in the league. And they, they needed a some some type they, of you know fix they, for the Dylan. Brooks they were, they were second seed and got bounced by the Lakers in like what five six games. Like they didn't even take them seven, and then they had home court. And they're they're a regular season team, so they did need that postseason experience. What's that starting yeah. five looking like when Jaw's healthy? Is it Jaw the one, Marcus Smart two, Desmond yes, Bain three? Jaron Jackson, Jackson four, four and Steven Jackson five or Steven Adams five. Yes. Was Steven Adam their starting five before? I thought he came off the bench. Maybe I'm he wrong. was hurt in the playoffs. That affected their run. I mean, they were playing amazing ball with him. He, got, he got hurt in like February because he sprained his PCL. And then Jaron Jackson was playing the five once he got. Then they just shipped him that's, over. To, that that's what I'm wondering. Like, I mean, and John Moran got hurt too. Happening. Like, let's you know. Let's take a step back on that. And then he had the whole other stuff pending. So, like, next year is a, is a refresh year. And, you know, you're helping that Marcus Hart smart, you know, kind of cleans that up a little bit. The other part of this trade is, you know, Tyus Jones is a big uh, piece. He's a starting point guard in this league. He's proven that with Ja out. Um, he's one of the best assist to turnover ratio guys the last three years. I think he's been in the top three. Um, all of those years, I think he'll gain some value. The Wizards can move him um in the future for assets and then i think the the winners here is boston they get christophs Pazingas and they managed to get the two first round picks <laughs> like how the hell did they do that That's i mean i know the, the like you know the contract thing with Porzingis only being on a one, one year thing but you know you throw Porzingis in with that boston lineup you already had Derek white and malcolm brogdon to fill in the shoes for marcus smart like 
they, you know, they had enough to like, if they, you unload smart, like you're fine. Now you got Porzingis is coming off his best year. Does this make Boston the title favorites? I think it does. This is their all in year. Like if you think about it, they're going to have to pay Jalen Brown. They're going to have to pay Derek, Derek White. There's Jalen Brown's still going to be there. I think so. I, I didn't think so at first, but I think this trade makes them the favorite. Like they're going to have to pay Derek White. They'll probably get rid of at least one between Grant Williams and Robert Williams. I think Al Horford stays. They're going to have to get creative with that salary cap. And Porzingis opted into the player option this year, but he'll probably want something more long-term. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Brogdon. And they have little depth at the guard. Like the the whole reason the first trade got held up is because Brogdon had some serious issues. And David, James, you heard it from me here first. I think he's going to need the equivalent of Tommy John surgery for basketball. Well, they said the injury is so bad that they said no team is look is going to even try to acquire him. So he That's- had he had an elbow injury, and they didn't go into the specifics. But I'm guessing elbow is probably like a UCL. And James, I don't know if you remember, and David, I don't know if you remember. He shot one shot against the uh, Heat. It was like a three that was two feet beyond the line, and he airballed it by like four feet. And I'm like, he doesn't have any strength in that elbow. Well, they benched him down the stretch. Exactly. Uh, if you can't shoot. My guy, Matt. What's up, man? What's going on? How you doing, fellas? Good. How are you? I was telling him. I was like, my man, Matt's coming in here. He's going to educate the people, give him some good basketball <laughs> knowledge. You came in right as we were talking about uh, the Celtics trade. Uh, oh, yeah. You have any thoughts on it? What did you? How do you think the Celtics made out with that? Um, honestly, I don't. I have mixed feelings about all the trades that have happened, but um, I feel like they needed more of a leader. I honestly, I think it might have been better if the Celtics got CP instead of the Warriors, because uh, he would hold everybody accountable. But um, I think they they wanted to get bigger, or well, I guess which they did. It's going to be tough to guard three guys that can shoot and spread the floor like they can, but. Um, if I'm remembering correct, they lost Smart, correct? Yeah, yeah, he got traded to the Grizzlies. So I think, I think Smart was that guy for them, like that attitude guy, like they're Draymond Green. So I think that might hurt him a little bit because I don't know if anybody else in their team has that personality. Um, and I, I honestly think that's what they're missing to take them over the top in the finals. So uh, I have mixed feelings about it. I, I personally don't know if it was the greatest trade for them. Can I throw something out there? Yeah, go ahead. What if Westbrook signed a one-year deal with Boston? Stop. No, stop. <laughs> I don't think that, that's not going to work. No. That's, that's that's not gonna I feel like there's a limited market for him. He wants to win. That's, that's not – but you do point this out, and uh, Matt makes a good point about the whole Marcus Smart leader person in the huddle conversation, which I feel like is going to probably be overlooked until we get to playoff time. Uh, but – here we are talking about Westbrook and, you know, no one's going to pay him $46 million as he was getting this year. Yeah. Uh, but he is an unrestricted free agent. Um, you're saying Boston. Um, I mean, just what, think how many suitors there would be. Maybe the Clippers, but like Lakers wouldn't bring him back. Like Warriors don't. Of like course how many not teams, the Lakers, bro. How many teams are going to want to bring in Westbrook? Teams that are developing. Zero. Talent. Zero. I want to open that. So, so David says zero. What say you, Matt? Uh, it, honestly, 
I, I'm pretty close to zero. Maybe two percent. It has to be a team where somebody's gonna he, get him. He's not done. Done. Like we, we saw him for done. even if the Clippers bring him back. He's not done. Done. But it's just like he he ruins chemistry. Like he he needs the ball in his hand. He doesn't shoot a good percentage. I would say um, I agree with what you're saying. I the best Westbrook we saw last year were when both guys on the Clippers got hurt and he could be the man. So it's tough for him. It's tough for him to go be like he can't he can't do what James Harden does and transfer his game and lead the league in assists and not put up the buckets when he still can. It's, it's going to be tough for him to find a landing spot. Yeah, I mean, Matt touched on it. Like, if you're a contender, what is Russell Westbrook is is almost like a cancer. It's almost like he's he's the type of guy where it's like he tries to to play different roles, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's just the team chemistry and, and everything else kind of goes down. And is he signing money for a, a on a rebuilding team? Like, is he going to play for a team that's like young and why, and why would a rebuilding team want him? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't like, know. Where, where's hey, the well, fit? This is my thought. I was just thinking about this a little bit right now as we're speaking. I think San Antonio isn't the worst idea to bring him in. Yeah. Even I, if I it's just a that. one year, they don't have a point guard. He's going to be able to do a nice pick and roll action uh, with Victor. And obviously they're not going to win a championship in Victor's first year, but bringing some of that moxie, that veteran like mm-hmm. intensity, like one thing you can't take away from Russell Westbrook is that he plays harder than anyone else. And, you know, you, you got you got Vassell, you got Keldon Johnson, like some of those, you know, attributes may be able to rub off on these guys. So I'm and, and don't forget Jeremy Sohan. Oh, was looking fresh last that, night. That, of course you had to bring him up, James. <laughs> Actually, you did. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Russell Westbrook, like I, 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 I think that that. They don't have a point guard. You know, well, they're going to bring back Che Jones, but he's a backup. And, you, you know, just see it out for a year. You, you look at the list on here, Harden, Kyrie, Dela will probably all get signed before him. So it's going to be, you know, where what what teams are left after that. But if I'm San Antonio and I'm looking at him and D'Lo, like, no, nah, I don't want a, a character like D'Lo to come in and rub off whatever he has onto with Victor. And Pop and – Russell, they have um, relationship history. I mean, he played Team USA, so he's not foreign to that. Him being part of the equation, just a thought. I didn't think we were going to turn this into a a, a Russell Westbrook <laughs> podcast, but for some reason, he just still is super intriguing, even though his bad, better days are behind him. When we're looking at uh, the rest of the free agency, uh, Chris Middleton turned down to forty million. That was huge. Like, what's happening with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, does that have implications that, you know, Giannis might want to leave too if, if Chris actually does walk and they don't get a return? Like, maybe, I don't know, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Kyle Kuzma might be able to fit, fill in that position a little bit. Um, what do you think about these free agents? Uh, James Harden is a big one that's out there. Kyrie Irving, um, D'Lo, we just mentioned. And, and Nikola Vucevic, who – I got to mention part of this trade it was finally finalized last night with Orlando. They sent him for uh, Wendell Carter Jr. in the two first-round picks, which ended up being Franz Wagner and then last mm-hmm. night, Jet Howard. So I think Orlando made out pretty good with that trade. Um, what do you guys think about some of the free agents? I'm going to st- hit you up, Dave. I'm going to get to Matt first. Matt, I feel like I had some thoughts. I saw him ready to uh, – okay. especially on the Buck stuff. Uh, so I just – I was reviewing the team because I was still thinking about Westbrook. I know we got off of it, but 
two two teams off a quick glance, I felt like that could um, use him, and he might be able to play how he plays with those teams. Are well, my first thought was the Bucks, and my other my other thought was the Heat. Um, I think he could play freely with the Bucks, and um, we're still talking realize. about Russell. You're you're saying. I, yeah, when okay. I was I was gonna get off of it when you brought the Bucks back <laughs> up, that the Heat and the Bucks were two teams I thought he might fit well on. Um, I think the Bucks need another superstar, um, and he he thinks similar to Jimmy Butler and excuse me, not the Bucks, the Heat. And I think the way he pushes the ball would complement how Giannis plays. So I could be wrong, but those are two teams off a quick glance. That's that's what I was thinking, Dave. That's what that's what was in my. I could see it to be honest with you. Those are two teams with like. I can't see. I can't see it with Milwaukee unless Drew's out of there. They need shooting. Like that reminds just makes me think about uh, Eric Bledsoe. But I'm if Miami can't find like you know Damian Lillard or something like somebody out like that. Like Miami definitely saw point guard flaws when it came down to the end. And yeah, him and Jimmy, I think their personalities will help boost the team. So. Like, I do see a slight window that that could possibly work. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you guys ever did you guys hear Brian Winhurst when he talked about the heat culture and what like they do with uh, that they have weigh ins every week uh, for the team and like they check like their body fat, what they're eating. Uh, Russell Westbrook's the type of body type where he would fit in with that team too. It's like you don't need him to, to worry about him overeating. You don't need to worry about him not giving lack of effort. Uh, so I feel like that heat culture vibe, I feel like he would fit in well too. Yeah, so. his body fat percentage um, checks the marks. Yeah, <laughs> as we see him yeah. every every game day. Uh, other free agents that loom: Fred Van Fleet is a big one. Oh, speaking That's of Fred Van here. Fleet, I know y'all can talk about this with me too. You guys remember Marquise Noel from the NCAA tournament, Kansas State, the five foot yeah. seven guard that averaged like yep. two way with Toronto. Yeah, two way with Toronto. He mm-hmm. could be the new Fred Van Fleet. I feel like wasn't if I'm not mistaken, wasn't uh, Van Fleet undrafted? Yes. I think Noel, like Toronto does a really good job with these guards that go undrafted and they work with them. Obviously, Noel, there was a video I saw on YouTube yesterday of Marquise Noel guarding um, Cam Reddish. They were playing one-on-one and just saying size doesn't matter necessarily. Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. You saw the video too? Yeah. So, like, I, don't, I think people are, I mean, Marquise Noel, I knew at five foot seven, you're not going to get drafted, but like, Man, the man has got heart. If he was six foot three, I think he'd be a lottery pick. Yeah, he's Isaiah Thomas esque. Like he's yeah. really, yeah. he's really that small and that damn good. Um, we'll see how that pans out. We all know that Toronto is a big fan of bigger players and playing big on all their positions. Um, he definitely will be intriguing as a two way into the G League team. Like they're gonna get fan a lot more fans than than other places. I think it was a smart sign. And, but people that shocked me as far as not getting drafted, and this wasn't even something I wanted to mention, but Terquavion Smith didn't get drafted. And he would have been a first-round draft pick if we came out as a freshman, came back as a sophomore, and guess what? He got better. Like, he he improved his playmaking. He improved his ability to pass the ball. And he goes undrafted. So does um, Saldi Aldama, who just came off of the national championship for UConn. Um, and he still had two years left. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it's crazy that at the end of the day, like if you go out early, like you don't get drafted. Like at what point are you getting misinformation? Is your 
um, mm-hmm. agent like steering you wrong. And like, now what, now what do you got to do? You, yeah, you're going to play professionally overseas or make your way through the G league, like Marquise Noel, like what's your thoughts on um, players maybe that weren't drafted uh, yesterday and you know, what, what can you make of it? Yeah. So I guess like a rephrase the question, just like your thoughts, I guess if, if you're guaranteed to be drafted and then, you find out you stay a year and then you kind of get screwed over by basically like you, you go back you say that you're going to be, you know, they give you that promise that you'll improve your draft stock and then you go undrafted. I know Matt, I know, I know your background, like you were, you were in the NFL like for a little bit and like, I'm sure you've kind of had similar talks like that and, and, you know, obviously in a different sport. So I just to hear your perspective on it. Um, it's rough. Um, so one person, I think of, I don't know if you guys remember Brian Leonard, but um, Brian Leonard was an animal and he stayed an extra year where he, he was projected to go early because it was passed along that he couldn't play running back and had to play fullback on the next level. So he had to prove that. And he stayed and I think he went second round the next year, but it's tough. It's all situational. Um, it's got to be the fit. And they got to see what you and your coaches see. So you may have balled out. Maybe, maybe you're a power forward but the league doesn't see you as a power forward or this isn't the year for you to come out with power forwards. Or maybe you left because you can't afford to stay in school and still feed your family. It's all situational. You know, some guys go play that extra year, but their intention was to play one year um, and they weren't in school for school, you know? So it's a, it's, it's a tough call. Football's a little bit different because you have no choice, but to stay to three years, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, it's a tough call. If football was like basketball, to where you had to say, do you think it would be really different with people coming out early? I think the only position I could really do that for the most part is skill positions. Um, just because your body, as a lineman, your body's got to develop and you got to go through some, go through some, go, go through some things uh, to be able to play O line and D line. Um, but I definitely think uh, guys would come out early, like. If you're coming out of high school running like a four three four four, I think guys would try. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Matt, on this football tip, I really want to ask you about the young Anthony Black. So his first scholarship was college football. Baylor was heavy on him. He was one of the best wide receivers in the nation. Uh, he decided to go the route of basketball, six seven one ninety. Obviously, like that kind of makes a little bit more sense, um, but if he plays college basketball, he's got to play three years. So like, you know, that's almost a no brainer. If somebody's going to make, try to make a decision between college basketball and college football, um, knowing that you have an opportunity that maybe that you're going to come out early in which he, it was said, cause I was listening to um, one interview that he had on the knuckleheads is that his plan was to kind of go one and done. Um, but it like college football, making you play three years shuts the door on the idea of like, you know, even doing that. I know a lot of colleges frown on that and don't agree with that. And Baylor might be one of the only schools that encourage that, or we've seen that in the past. Uh, but um, what what's your takeaway as far as, you know, a player like Anthony Black not being able to play both? Um, That's actually a good question for me because I wanted to play both. I actually wanted to do – I'm you don't know me well, but I'm kind of crazy. I wanted to do three, three sports in college. Um, <laughs> Um, so I, was I like your style, Matt. I like it. <laughs> I was pretty good at track. Uh, I was all conference and decent for basketball, and obviously I was very good at football. Um, so I was I was telling coaches that I wasn't coming unless I was playing basketball. 
um, or vice versa. And a couple of coaches consider, considered it the higher D1s did. And then um, I, I was one of the top in state and track, so I want to do that as well. But once I got into the football schedule, I let that go. But um, What did you – I'm just curious because I, I coach a little basketball in track. What was your event? Were you throwing a shot? Or you doing I was throwing – so I ran and threw, but they – so I actually did track one year. I, when hindsight's twenty twenty, I wish I did it freshman and sophomore year, but I did it my junior year and then tore my ACL my senior year. But out of the one year I did it, uh, I finished seventh in the state and shot, and we were one of the higher um, four-by-one um, relay teams in the state. But um, you can't tell me that if I threw my senior year, I wouldn't have been a state champion in shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, with one-year experience, like, I mean, the, the amount that you gain by learning the techniques and everything with the shot, like, it, I mean, if you have, you clearly have the body for it. So it's just about learning and honing in your techniques, and you could you can go from seven to one if yeah. you're inexperienced. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I do think I do think you should be. I think I think schools should be more lenient on multi-sport athletes. I feel like it mostly works with track and football, but um, you don't see it as often as like when Julius Peppers or um, who was that tight end for the Falcons or they used to let it go. Tony Gonzalez. Bit. Yes. They used to let it go a little bit back in the Antonio day. Gates. But yeah. yeah. But now it starts, I guess, with high school and elementary school where people want to be one sport athletes, one track minded, whatnot. Then it gets carried over in the college sports kind of, you know. And I feel like all of this conversation can lead to a whole different pod because, you know, we didn't even mention baseballs. Like you either go pro or go college route. You know, it's everything is so completely different we are here talking about basketball and let's get to you know the the meat of the whole meal here which is you know the nba draft was last night and it was a spectacular night a night that i said it was full of tears and in style matt you mentioned uh we you missed that part um the spurs get a generational challenge in in victor Wembanyama. it was the place that he wanted to go to you know he's french he's got ties with Tony Parker and this is the place that he always dreamed on going to. And so for it to kind of come to fruition and for it to happen. And the last time we saw a prospect like this, it was LeBron James. And guess Mm -hmm. what? He went to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the team that he wanted to go to, you know, that's, I think that's really cool and awesome that it happened. Um, You know, much will be talked about the Spurs going forward, Devin Vassell, Kelton Johnson, you know, Sohan, they had a great future, but the Hornets were in the pickle here. They had Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller on the table, and now it's coming out that it was Brandon Miller the whole time. What's your take on that before we get into the whole Blazers-Scoot Henderson situation? Well, I remember the incident that happened at Alabama with the shooting, and he was, uh, one of the, like, in this, you know, kind of being investigated for all that. Obviously, I, I guess they did their homework enough to make sure that they felt confident taking him number two. It was interesting because I don't know if you guys saw that Woj tweeted out earlier in the day that um, they were strongly leaning towards Scoot Henderson. So obviously, I guess that's a, a big smoke screen that they were putting out. No, it wasn't Woj. It was Shams. Oh, Actually, Shams. Woj okay. kind of put it out there. He kind of took like a little jab and said, like, I don't know where this came from. Because, <laughs> you know, okay. they beef. They really beef. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's definitely like different players. Like, I know Brandon Miller – Six foot seven, he can shoot. 
Uh, definitely, uh, obviously, uh, I know they said he's not necessarily not the best uh, ball handler, but he's somebody that has a lot of skills that will play in the NBA. Scoot Henderson. He can handle ball. It was the right decision for yeah. the team based on you have Melo Ball, who's already, you know, your clear-cut your, your point guard yeah. on your team. And him and Scoot's game, although you can see a world where they would, they could pair and it could work, why not go with, you know, somebody that can just do everything on both ends yeah and i think that what they addressed later on in the draft was two players that do some scoot henderson-esque things which they got nick smith jr who you know is a top three recruit out of, out of high school had banged up knee at arkansas and had kind of a rough year but he's six five and he's shown the ability to shoot off the dribble uh create his own uh, he shows flashes on some some hardness uh type of offensive game and then in the second round they end up getting Amari Bailey from UCLA, who, as we all know, has a very highly touted high school career. And, you know, you, you maybe make up for something that you may have missed out of school, but you have a guarantee in Brandon Miller. And who knows, Miles Purchase might be coming back. Yeah. I'm curious to hear Matt's thoughts about, um, so with the Blazers drafting Scoot Henderson, do you feel like Dame's going to stay in Portland? Or do you feel like, He's uh, like he sees the number three pick there, him and, and them and both of them in the backcourt, or you think he's done? So it's funny that you say that because when I saw they drafted him, my first thought was, what is the plan? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is the first year ever that it seemed like Dame has considered actually playing somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think on the Blazers' part it would be the worst – idea if they drafted Scoot Henderson and tried to get Dame for maybe two other players that are great role players in a draft pick and start preparing for the future because um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I saw a list of players that they try to require to add to Dame that aren't even on the team anymore uh, that are gone, but maybe they start with Scoot, go get two guys that are great role players, go get another draft pick for next year and a year or two down the line, they're in a better position than if they hold on to Dame and <clears throat> have his contract and they're not able to acquire what they need. So I, I would say maybe less on Lillard's part, maybe more on the Blazers' part, that they're going to try to rebuild. That, in my head, that's all that makes sense. He's, on, he's at peak value, just coming off a year where he averaged 32, maybe his best year as a professional. I mean, obviously, Scoot Henderson plays his exact position, and uh, going forward – like I know Portland and the GM comes out vehemently. We have no intention to trade Dame. We have no intention to move yeah. him. He is with us. We're locked in with both of them. But at the same time, like everybody can see it. Like go for the future. Shane Sharp is promising. And like the whole timeline Every of the signings. Like just don't like move on from Grant. Like don't don't get the resign and then like actually get as much value as you can. Because I know suitors like Miami E has a lot of draft capital would love a Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that that's a move that is not going to happen anytime soon as far as like this month or maybe maybe even before the season. But you got to start thinking about it and searching for all the answers because they wanted, and Dame in particular, he wanted Michael Bridges. He said, I want to trade the the three pick from Michael and mm-hmm. the Nets didn't budge. Cause of course, Michael was balling out of control. Yeah. I mean, he got traded to the Nets, but uh, 
if you can't pull that type of trigger off, like, you know, I think it's best even for both parties to let's move on. He was loyal for a long time, but at a certain point, like you're 30, was he, I think he's like 31, 32. I think he's 32. Uh, at some point, like, you know, this team's not built to win uh, anything in the next few years and you're in the prime of your career. Why would you want to stay there at this point? And you gave everything you had to Portland. Uh, and it's just like at this point, you got to do right by both parties. I feel like it's, um, I know it's switching sports again. It's almost like Matthew Stafford with the Lions. Like Matthew Stafford played with the Lions, uh, amazing quarterback for them for over a decade. Uh, and at some point it was just like, Hey, I'm on the last few years of my career. I want to win a championship. Let's, you know, it's kind of like I did paid my dues, nothing against the city, but I need to go win a championship. And like he did, he went out with the Rams and won it the next year. So I, I kind of feel like Dame's kind of almost the equivalent in basketball. It's like, he's been loyal to that city, a very small market city. It's like trade me to, you know, whatever team uh, that, you know, has the potential assets to give back. That's a contender. And, uh, make both parties happy here yep the time is right um moving on three of the best young teams as far as talent is concerned it's not reflective on them being good next year but i think that the rockets pistons and magic at pick four five and six picked up really really good assets going forward and you know potential stars in a minute are sar thompson uh good fits i think the rockets needed a a point guard like I'm in with some maturity, unlike Kevin Porter Jr. that's filling the role right now. Sar Thompson fills in some of the gaps that you need when you're playing alongside a Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham. He knows how to play with a smart player like his brother. And you go and you play with Cade. Um, they have a bunch going on, including Jalen Duran. And, we, you know, we'll still see what happens with James Wiseman. And then you think about Anthony Black as a six, seven potential point guard, which, they're playing point guard pie committee, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's Markel Foltz or Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs. They really don't have that position certified, but it does mean somebody's probably going to be on the way out going forward. But you got Wagner and Boncaro. There's a lot of young talent within these teams. And, you know, the Rockets, I didn't even mention Jalen Green. And they get Cam Whitmore at 20. Who's your favorite young, talented team out of those three? Uh, I'm going to start with you, Matt. Which three teams you said? Rockets, Pistons, and Magic. Um, if you're gonna go to the NBA ticket and you're gonna watch a season pass, like who are you gonna click in on, knowing that you know they might not win the game, but I'm just excited about this young talent. I'm torn between the the Magic and the Pistons, um, but I think I lean Same. toward I think I lean toward the Magic. Um, I think they have a bunch of talent. They just need uh, the maturity that comes with that talent to learn how to win. Mm -hmm. um, I think they have very strong guards and people that can score. I think they just need to learn how to play at the NBA level. And I feel like they're a little more of a, uh, a show. So, like, you asked who you'd want to see. I think they'd be more of a uh, exciting game as a unit instead of one particular player to go watch out of those three teams. Yeah. I think they do have the one particular player, which is Paolo Bancaro, rookie of the year. Uh, but at the same time, like Jed Howard comes in, uh, Cole Anthony is a spectacle to watch and they are the best team based on, you know, the record of last year and where they might go. Of course, 
with Pistons, you know, you get Cade Cunningham coming back. Dave, what's your take on that? It's interesting, too, because at what point do you get so much young talent that it's too much in the sense of like, like Matt mentioned, you need some type of veteran leadership. You need some type of like, okay, we've piled enough assets, but we need veteran leadership. We need direction. We need to kind of shape a roster. We can't just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. We got to kind of have a rotation. We got to have the right guys mixed in different experience levels with the magic you mentioned there's a huge log jam in the backcourt. So many guards. I feel like that's the approach they've taken is they're like, all right, they have, I mean, I know there's Cole Anthony there. Obviously Anthony Black's going to fit in there. You mentioned a lot of their other guards too. Like, um, I kind of feel like that with the Pistons. They have a good young core, you know, Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham, obviously now, uh, sorry, Thompson, like they're, they're they're kind of the same thing. I'm, I'm kind of like looking for, okay, you have a lot of young assets. Can you package one or two guys to bring in a couple nice veteran pieces? Uh, so going back to your original question today, I'm probably tuning into the Pistons magic close second. I think Matt was spot on with those are definitely the two teams I feel like. Um, but I'm definitely kind of looking for those teams to make the next step in terms of if you're really trying to start turning down or turning around your team, bringing in some of the veterans to uh, to really show me that you're trying to make a push in the playoffs. And Emir Doka, I think he's going to be a culture changing coach for the Rockets. He's going to bring some leadership, but yeah, they do definitely need some veteran laden players to help with that. You know, large speculation as they're chasing James Harden really hard. I don't really know how that fits in with a trajectory or how his habits are going to help <laughs> the young talent around mm -hmm. him. Um, as we go further down the draft. What about uh, the Thunder? The, the Thunder. Well, so the Thunder was the per the team that I had left out just because, you know, they did make the playoffs. Um, they had it. Without know, their number two overall pick. Without their num number two overall pick. Without, with with uh, all all NBA team performer and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They get Cason Wallace in the draft. Uh, they already have Josh Giddy, who's crazy. They got Jalen Williams, who is a all rookie performer. Can they, I, can I, they can I ask the, a question the though? Interesting. Team. Can I ask a question though? So I, I might hear Matt's thoughts on this too. I like Shea Gilgis Alexander. I feel like he gets so many of his points from the free throw line though. It kind of, to me, muddies his overall skill set. Maybe I'm being a little, like I'm hating on it a little bit, but I've never been a huge fan of players that get half their points from free throws. And I know it's a skill to be able to get to the free throw line, but when I, I mean, I really watched Shea Gildas Alexander play more this year. And I was like, man, like, you know, he was seven of 15 from the field, but 21 of 21 from the free throw line. And I'm like, okay, like, like, yeah, like great. But I'm looking for players that can score without just hoping the refs bail them out. That's, that was my biggest kind of complaint with him this year. I, I think, I don't know what the free throw attempts are at the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he led the league if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I'm curious, Matt. I guess you I mean, he attempted ten a game. Ten, or like, a that, game. That, that's a lot to attempt. That that's per game to attempt double digit free throws. Uh, I'm curious your guys' thoughts. Like, is there a certain point that if uh, someone takes that many free throws, that it kind of takes away from how good they are, and you're kind of like, can they do it without the whistle? Uh, I don't know uh, your thoughts. I make uh, Matt if you want to go ahead and give your thoughts first on it. Um, well, on Shea particularly. I was actually impressed with him this year because mm -hmm. I guess 
just the market he's in and whatnot, I never really got to watch him play. I thought he was way more skilled than I could have imagined, honestly. Uh, I thought his handling was pretty good. His shot was more accurate than I thought he could shoot off the dribble. I was fairly impressed with him. As far as the question, um, it doesn't really, for me, it doesn't really take away for a few reasons. One, because it means you're going to the rack, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, You're not settling in. Some people, Dwayne Wade, Harden, you might, LeBron, maybe are great actors, but it means you're going to the rack and being aggressive. Um, and then you also have to make the free throws. So since, just because mm-hmm. you're getting there doesn't mean you're going to make the free throws. Just an example of that. Which he made too. 90% of them. <laughs> um, an example in my head would be Harden and LeBron. Um, so LeBron's 92 now and Harden just doesn't move the same. He's bigger. Obviously, he's not 92. Um, but they don't, they don't go to the foul line as frequently because Harden can't get to the rack the same. He's still a good player, but he doesn't get to the rack with the same frequency. And LeBron, even though he, I think, 29 a game he averaged, like he didn't shoot as many free throws as normal because he can't get to the rack the same. They had to adjust their games kind of. So um, it it doesn't take away from me. I actually appreciate that you're aggressive enough to get in positions to take those. You got to knock them down. I just have like in my head that the – I remember James Harden did it to the Wizards one time where he hooked – he hooked himself, James. I know you remember this, where he hooked the guy's arm before the ball was inbounded, and he got the what was it, the intentional foul free throw before the ball was even inbounded to him. Uh, you, you mentioned Washington because Shea Gilgis had the coldest game-winning shot against Washington this season. Yeah, he was living at the line, but when I was watching the game, he was the best player in the court by far. So I think it is it goes into your IQ and how smart you are, whether you can get to the line that much. I don't think that the referees are having, you know, a huddle before the game and saying like, yeah, let's get Gilgis Alexander to the line 11 times and get him, you know, all NBA. I think it shows to the his craft and the craftiness of knowing what's going to get called and what's not. I yeah. mean, he is not also like running his arms into people like kind of how James Harden did. To your point, does it take away maybe slightly, but like you're still – you know, producing 31 a game and you're shooting f- over 50 from the field and over 90 from the free throw line to Matt's point, like you still making them when you get there. Like I still think that he, it might slain him a little bit, but like, he's still, he's still that guy. He's still like an underrated person that people that like the casual fan does not give enough credit to. So I think we're going to, we're going to shade anybody. Let's, let's shade somebody that deserves it. <laughs> So I think it's situational because, um, example, it pops in my head, and I don't think you would have a problem with this, but I could be 100% wrong. Was it three years ago when Giannis went 18 for 18 from the line in the playoffs and nobody saw that coming? I, he didn't flop for any of those. Those were real fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel the same because he went to the foul line 18 times? Or were you? do you more so mean people who are putting on a show and acting to try to get to the foul line, which I, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean it's definitely more the latter, but with Giannis, he's a, I feel like with bigs, they're they get hacked a lot more because one, it's like obviously if a guard switches onto them, a lot of times that's the only way a guard can actually play defense on them is is to try to foul them and get away with it, right? Because like obviously it's gonna be a mismatch. They can, you know, go up and dunk it on them a lot of times if they get down deep enough in the post. But like I've seen so many guards in the past have that acting thing where it's like whether it's they drive to the basket and the defender is literally holding their arms up and they're initiating the contact 
and they're still calling. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what do you want them to do at that point? Uh, and that's, that's kind of where that stems from for me. I like with someone like Giannis, especially how much he struggles at the free throw line. I think teams are intentionally trying to also put him there more, which I think kind of adds to that as well. But just the, the times I watched Shea in the playoffs this year, uh, when they were, I think well, I forgot who their first round opponent was. Uh, but they, uh, I, I, you know, I just watched them. It was like every possession. I was just like, Oh, going back to the free throw line, going back to the free throw line. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's a foul. Other times I was like, you know, he well, might, they, they, they actually lost. They lost, so they didn't get into the first round. But, but they were in the, the play-in play game. Yeah. I'm saying I'm talking about the play-in though. Okay. Yeah, like um, I was just kind of just like there were there were certain times I was kind of like oh, I was like you got to let them play. At least the playoffs. Like I, if you're gonna call that, you're gonna call that on every possession. Like that's that's contact that's gonna occur in basketball. Uh, so that's that's kind of where that fine line where I'm like they they need to have a good like the average double digit free throws a game. Uh, I feel like sometimes they they go over that line a little bit. Just me personally. Shoot, I think that Giannis be running into people like bulldozing them, <laughs> and he gets the call. I'm like, what the hell? But that's just me. Yeah. That might just be my LeBron. Like, well, I was gonna say we were talking about LeBron. Down. We know how yeah. you stand on that, Matt. He's the biggest LeBron stand that I've ever met. So I felt the vibe. I felt the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, that's my guy since day one. Um, so, you know, I'm going to defend him to the end. But you, uh, you know, I, I got no hate towards Giannis or Jokic or any of these players that are, you know, clearly, you know, the best uh, players in in the world right now. You're going to um, get his uh, his Wizards and uh, Bronny's Wizards jersey when uh, they're both on the Wizards. <laughs> Bro. Did you, did you guys see that uh, screenshot that someone put out on Twitter the other day? Was it the Wizards? Yeah, it was because they're uh, the worst team in basketball. Uh, they're going to be the worst team in basketball probably the next few years. So it's like they'll have the the shot to take Bronny if they want to. Yeah, LeBron, I know that 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 quote has been taken away. I think I don't I don't know how like logistical him playing with his son is. Like I think he said it and he meant it. Like I want to play with my son, and I don't think he's going to give up like the opportunity to like win a championship. I bet you he does. Play with the Wizards. I, I'll okay. bet you he does. Okay, you, so really? he's just gonna he's gonna move from LA. I think it's more likelihood to join the Warriors. Nah, I, <laughs> I, no, I yes. think he's gonna keep his spot in LA, but just for that one season, his farewell season, he'll like buy an apartment or something in Washington, and he'll play with Bronny, and they'll like they'll have an apartment together for a year or something like that. Like, and it's gonna be his. I'm gonna get him acclimated to the NBA. I want to set him up for success. I, I'm I'm so sure yeah, it's gonna this. be LeBron. Uh, Bronny and Bilal Kahlula Bali, and they're they're gonna sweep the East. And yeah, right, it's never gonna happen. And it's gonna be the same thing like Jordan did, man. Jordan yeah, finished his gonna, career with the Wizards to just follow up what Jordan did. That's his um, that's his goal in life is to follow the footsteps of a great father, like <laughs> great owner, a great GM like Michael Jordan. <laughs> All sarcasm intended. <laughs> All right, looking more further down with the draft picks because it was the day after the draft. Um, we talked a little bit about Grady Dick and how he wants Drake to wear his uniform and wants to be best buddies with him. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, uh, Montgomery County, represent Galesburg, Maryland. Uh, he gets drafted by the Pelicans. He's a knockdown shooter. Kobe Bufkin, big riser, don't like the fit with the Hawks. Uh, Keontae George is a nice shooter that can do it off the bounce, and he adds to the Jazz's young pieces. Jalen Hoods Convino, uh, he can boogie a little bit. That you know he might be a valuable asset to the Lakers. Uh, he's got really good solid wingspan and 
defensive potential. Jaime Jaquez Jr., you talk about heat culture. He fits that. He can plug and play right away on a team that just went to the championship. Cam Whitmore drops to the Rockets. You know, they get him and they get a Thompson bro. Nice deal. Uh, I like Clowney and Whitehead to the Nets that are, you know, kind of sort of in their own rebuilding process. Um, what are your thoughts on some of these draft picks? Uh, and who's your best like of what we just mentioned kind of in the middle of the draft between the late lottery and early 20s? Um, starting with Dave, what's your favorite pick out of this grouping? Uh, I like Keontae George. I think the Jazz also part of the team fit. I think, I think he's a guarantee. So. Yeah, he's a he's a nice fit there. And the Jazz already, I really liked the direction they were going in. You, you had me last offseason when they got, they traded away Rudy Gobert and got, what, four first-round picks or whatever it was. And uh, swaps. Yeah, four, four first-round pick swaps. And um, they obviously you saw uh, the young core that they're building there, uh, Walker Kessler and Lori Markin and literally turn into an all-pro player like or all-star player just like that. Um, so I, I like that. And then adding him to the mix here, it, it's as much the player as it is the direction of the team. Uh, I think they got the right player and the right fit here. So I think he definitely, to me, kind of stands out in this list. Matt, what about you? Um, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not sure about all the players at the end of this list. Off the top of my head, I'd probably go with uh, Brandon uh, Podminski. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. The Warriors forward that they got. He's 6'5". He can score a little bit. He's pretty lengthy. Um, I'm wondering yeah, he's how a shooter. Gonna... He's, he's ready to play right now. Yeah. I'm wondering how they're going to replace Jordan Poole. I think he might be a decent person in that spot. I think they need to get a little bigger. Um, but a six five guy who can stretch the floor a little bit, and he's not bad on D. I, I think he would be my pick. All right. Well, this is a good time for us to talk about it because we haven't talked about it. Um, Chris Paul went to the Warriors in that trade, <laughs> by the way. Um, so they send away Jordan Poole, who gets his face knocked off at the beginning of last season. And they elect to go with Draymond. And, of course, with Jordan Poole's contract, that opens up a lot of money. And, hey, who's a free agent? Oh, Draymond Green. There's a great chance that they re-sign him. They bring it back. CP3 is now in the mix. And there's a lot of mixed reactions. A lot of them are negative as far as bringing him in. And, and I'm curious to hear you guys' take on a CP3 addition to the Warriors He's got beef with Steph Curry. They didn't like best bros. Like, he's then got shimmied in his face and all of that. And, like, he, like guy like Chris Paul doesn't forget those things. What do you think about this fit and, you know, the Warriors going forward? You know, is it is the championship window closed? or um, And, and what, what do you think about kind of that move and what – I guess it's Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s first move with also the pick, Podzinski. I have a lot of thoughts on it. I'll, I'll let Matt go first because I definitely uh, – I was talking about this yesterday when I saw it break with one of my buddies. and uh, So, yeah, I'll, I'll let Matt lead it off first. Um, I have a lot of questions about it. I'm torn. <laughs> um, I personally, I feel like he has to come off the bench. I don't know if he will. Um, I was I was reading some blogs and people were saying the death lineup was smaller than everybody and they made it work. Um, if this was 27-year-old Chris Paul, that's a different story. But this Chris Paul likes to slow the ball down. Obviously, he's a great game manager. But the Warriors run. They run, they get up and down the point, uh, court, and they score. Uh, I think he'll be an asset as far as um, comparing him to Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole led the team per minute for turnovers. Chris Paul's not going to turn the ball over. So that's 
that's where he's going to help you out being a point God and his leadership. But again, he's tiny. So can him, Steph and Clay be on the court at the same time? Clay at one time was a great two-way player. He's still trying to see if he can come back from his injury. He doesn't play defense as well as he used to. He doesn't obviously he can still shoot, but he's not shooting at the clip he used to shoot. I think, I think they have to acquire another piece, get a little bit bigger. Maybe CP comes off lead in the second unit, um, gives you 15 to 17 minutes a game. Um, who knows if, if more is needed, but I, I think he's got to be a second unit guy. I think you got to go acquire one or two more guys. Um, I personally, maybe won't be popular opinion. I personally say they don't, they go get Dwight or Boogie and get them back on the team. Cause they can both run how they like to play, get up and down the floor. Boogie can shoot. They can both bang. And I think, uh, they can fit what the Warriors like to do and they won't need the ball a lot. They'll rebound, they'll run and they can get buckets when needed. But um, I, I, I don't think Chris Paul hurts him. I just don't think he helps. Him. All right, Dave, what's your take on the Warriors? They're right uh, in this, in this move. Cause I, I mean, I want to comment on what Matt said too, but I'm going to let you chime in as well. And I'll try to. Their best. Their best scenario in this case is that he's like a Sean Livingston from a few from back like five, six years ago, whenever he was last that. with the team. Like that that's that's what they're hoping from this. Ding movie. ding ding. You yeah. Get it on <laughs> the not- head, buddy. Well, both of you. Matt first yeah. with the second rotation guy. Yeah, second I, rotation. Yeah, he might close some games. He needs to be second rotation guy. And then you said it with a Sean Livingston. Go ahead. If, if that's if that's their plan, I get it. The, if that's not their plan, if they're thinking something else, this is going to be a huge fail. Uh, just because Chris Paul, at this point in his career, defensive liability. It's been shown. You already have people coming out saying he like holds you if you try to go to the basket, all the, you know, the stuff people have been saying. So defensive liability. He's necessarily not a knockdown shooter either at this point. So if you're going to try to space the floor, uh, he's not somebody I'm too scared of in terms of getting a three off if he's open. I'm not saying he can't shoot, but he's not somebody I'm... If he's... I'm, if he's Wide open, which he uh, will be in this offense. And is he I, a knockdown shooter, James? Like yes, not like on catch and shoot. Yes, he is. I mean, we saw that in Houston. He got a bunch of open looks, and he gets it. Uh, and to your to your Houston Sean was a long time ago. Was it? Houston was a long time ago. I feel like. I mean, like I will. Is he a he's, so he's a bad three point shooter these days? Uh, like, what's his what's his three point percentage? I'm gonna look right now what he shot last year. Yeah. Well, to your point, so. To kind of help you out before we tear you down, uh, <laughs> the Sean Livingston argument was Sean Livingston didn't do the whole, you know, warrior style. He came in there and he mid range you to death, right? And so everybody's talking about like the fast paced aspect of it, which is true. Like they're the sixth fastest team in basketball, and he's and Chris Paul is the sixth slowest player with the ball in his hand. In basketball, that doesn't really make sense, but neither did Sean Livingston, but it it made it work because he led the second unit and he just played how he played. And Chris Mm -hmm. Paul does that, and he is a mid-range assassin, and he's able to make younger players better. Fact about Chris Paul is any team he goes on, they get better. And so you look at uh, Moody, you look at Kuminga, players that haven't reached their ceiling and are still waiting to hit that next clip. He might be the guy that gets them over the edge. They also got in a trade with the Wizards, nonetheless, because we start the pie, we probably ended in the same way. They got Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana in the trade. He was the second to last pick in the NBA draft, but this guy averaged 20, 10, 4, 
almost three blocks, almost two steals. He's ready to play right now, and you put him in a pick and roll, he can do some DHO. Uh, yeah. Chris Paul, I think he can fill in right away. I think he's – What's a good three-point percentage for you guys? Point. What's a good three-point percentage? All right, so the, the range on on three-point percentage, 35 is acceptable. 38 is what you want to do. Anything okay. over that is, like, exceptional. So Chris Paul, two years ago, 31.7%. Last year, 37.5%. Career 36.9% shooter, but he's only reached 30. So he's reached, these are his last five seasons, 35.8, 36.5, 39.5, 31.7, 37.5. So he's basically, in, in your opinion, James, he's basically barely above acceptable. I got 37.5, 31.7. Which is from StatMuse. So he's a career 36.9% shooter. I got that. So he's he's acceptable, right? This last year he was 37.5. 3 years ago he was 39.5. The year before 36.5. What about the year but what about the year at, before last year? Before last year on 3 attempts a game he was 31.7, but that, that's, what what that's what I'm saying. You were talking about recency bias. This last season he averaged 37.5. And how many of those were but naked wide open looks that you get from playing in the offense with Draymond Green, Steph Curry and like you see people like Wiggins, they have their best career three point percentages when they play in offense like this, or they play with players that stretch the floor. It's, there's going to be less asked of him. And if he is wide open, Chris Paul is going to knock it down. I guess we'll have to. We'll and also, find I out. think this also is a thing where, like, I think they're trying to save on some of the Steph Curry minutes because Steph Curry minutes has just been way out of hand for them trying to win games. And if, like, you can just have him on the court, he can orchestrate the offense he can run the show and not like have your team at a disadvantage. Cause every time Steph Curry gets off the court, they're getting sliced up. Mm -hmm. Like, so that's what, that's my take on it. I, I I'm not here trying to sell that the Chris Paul takes him to the championship and this is, but I think that it, it's overvalued how bad this move was. Like it wasn't going to work between pool and Draymond. We saw the type of year that pool had, he was bad. He was turning the ball over. Like the chemistry had just gone after he got snuffed in the jaw. Like, those things happen. You get stole by your teammate. Like, there's chemistry issues. So, yeah, you know. Facts. Refresh for him. And, um, you know, we'll see see what happens. Any any last takes from Matt or Dave on uh, draft picks that you really like? You, were, you, you really wanted to talk about uh, Imani Bates getting packed, picked 52 by Cleveland or whatever it was, 49. Or, you know, you know, the free agent that's looming that you, you, you know, you're targeting as a team. Uh, Wizards don't resign Kuzma. He's a winning player. Let him walk. Let him go somewhere where he can play productive basketball. We'll just play the tankathon. Um, no, I mean, for me, uh, good draft. Free agency is definitely be exciting. Love to see all the player movement already going on. Uh, basketball is definitely, uh, great right now again talked about denver winning their first championship um i think we're at a good point where basketball is i'm excited to see how the rest of the offseason shapes out i'll also let it slide it over to matt uh, i feel pretty similar um i'm very interested to see how free agency plays out and see how these trades play out i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of players out there that uh can take teams one way or another drastically um 
like you called uh, Westbrook a cancer earlier. I don't think Westbrook is a cancer, <laughs> but I do, I do think Kyrie's a cancer. So yes, I, mean, I agree with that. I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up. Um, I'm interested. I want him to go to the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, he helped win me a championship. Like, I'm, let's run it back. I don't care. That, that's fair. That's fair. If it, if there's one fit situation, LeBron had him in check. So, like, if there's one situation that it could possibly maybe work. It would be. I would be LA. I just don't. I just think that him and the Luca thing is disastrous based on Agreed. the rest of that. The, the rest of that team. So yeah. Agreed. Yeah, we'll see. Everybody on Twitter, leave uh, Victor Wembanyama's sister alone. Like she came fitted, but they came for her. Man, I didn't even seen her yet. I didn't see her either. Did, did I'm googling last night. They brought all the siblings, and every time anybody got you know drafted, they brought them over. So you know, Victor had his brother and his sister. Does she look um, that good? That people are. Uh... She had you know nice nice looking suit, like looking good, but uh, it wow. wasn't like. It wasn't like out there, but that's what Twitter is coming for. It was. Kinda... You type in Victor Wembanyama on Google, the first thing that sister. pops up is sister. <laughs> God. What? Okay, I mean, I I can see it now. Okay, I, I yeah. see why. Yeah. 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 Move over, Malika. Anyways, <laughs> um, that's all we have here. I hope, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed, you know, getting to talk a little basketball. Matt, I appreciate your perspective. Uh, you know, specifically when we were talking about the whole the collegiate, you know, eligibility, collegiate rules and years and how much you play. Um, that was really good insight. Uh, Dave, good talking to you as always. Uh, Portland did not get the one pick. If you You're lucky. Check, it was San Antonio. I would have been, I been on it. You would have heard that forever. They did. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For us and everybody, Triple Play, if you like the content, please. Uh, subscribe, hit a like, comment. We comment back. Uh, we do appreciate your eyeballs, and um, we're excited for next year's, you know, fantasy season and all these rookies that may be contributing next year. Peace. Peace.